0: Welcome to Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Erin Page, and today, in honor of Metro Family's 25th anniversary and three years of our Raising OKC Kids podcast, we are welcoming back one of our most popular guests, Dr. Tamika Rogers, for an update on one of our most downloaded podcast topics, talking to kids about racism. Welcome, Tamika. I'm so glad
1: you're here. Hey, Ms. Paige, I'm so glad that you're having me back. This is exciting to me.
0: I always love to have you. And before we get started, I will tell our listeners a bit more about you. Although Dr. Tamika Rogers is a familiar face and voice for many of you already. I first met Tamika in 2020 when she submitted a blog to Metro Family in the wake of the murder of George Floyd titled I am a black mother of three boys and I feel powerless. Her words and her desire to help other families process their feelings and to learn captured my attention then and I've been grateful to get to work with her on multiple projects since. Tamika is a Tulsa native, a filmmaker, author, publisher and columnist. She serves as the director of diversity, equity and inclusion for Tulsa Technology Center she also volunteers her time across numerous organizations and advocacy groups to further DEI in Oklahoma. She's published multiple children's books and recently completed her first documentary, Crown, in an effort to stop race based hair discrimination in schools and workplaces and advocate for the passage of the Crown Act in Oklahoma. So that's a lot that you've accomplished in the three years since we first met, right?
1: Yes, I was just thinking about like, <clears throat> excuse me, like, I cannot believe that it was three years ago. It seems like it was just yesterday. Uh, but the feeling that I have when I wrote that article, I still have it. And um, I, I just don't know, because I was just like, when you said that article, I I hadn't thought about it. But then when I thought about it again, everything just came uh, rushing back. And it was just like a kind of like a almost a tense moment there. Um, so I appreciate you so much in Metro Family for, you know, when I was during that time. And I just started writing because that's how I processed my feelings and everything. And, and my son said, hey, you know, you should share this with everybody. And I was like, okay, Keith Ross, you have a good point. And um I said I'll do it but I doubted if anybody will publish it. That's that's what I said. I'll do it, but I doubted if anybody will publish it. And you published it. You took a chance on me. So thank you. With that kind um action and with you taking my words and not changing it, not editing it, not softening it, softening it. Um, you changed something in me. And so for you to say you've accomplished a lot in three years, it's because you gave me more of the confidence that I didn't have. So thank you for that.
0: Well, let's just go ahead and get emotional <laughs> right off the bat, friend. <laughs> and and I would say I would I would go back and say you took a chance on me too. Um, and I am, I'm so thankful that you did. You have done incredible work for Metro family since you've done incredible work across the board. And it has been an honor for me to be your, the president of your fan club, <laughs> your number one cheerleader. <laughs> um, okay. Let's, let's think back Tamika, and let's, let's okay. start with some of the positives when you think back to that first blog, and then soon after we did the parent panel uh, podcast on talking with kids about racism, Uh, you just said that you still feel a lot of those same feelings you did when you submitted that first article. But what do you think has changed in our society, in our state for the better? What are the good things that have happened in regards to racial equity in the last three years?
1: I would say um, the good thing that's going on now is, is that as parents, uh, as parents and family, friends, all of us seem to be more aware of situations. Um, and we're stepping in and we're doing a lot more teaching than we did before I think previously what we did was we really left a lot of things up to the schools and the teachers um, to teach about different things and like I said before is I typically had shielded my sons from things like that and and wasn't very open with them you know because it wasn't in their face and we just sometimes you know we could just Act like it's not there until something bad happens. And I think from the last few years is we've been a little bit, we've been more proactive. Um, we've been doing a lot of teaching without fear, uh, without, without fearing because my initial thought was is that this is going to taint him or this is going to make him think badly, you know, whether it's about police or, or whatever, you know, and I didn't want him to think badly even if this is the truth and it's going on right now. Um, but we found ways to teach um, without destroying their innocence. You know, we found a positive spin on teaching, even though it's, I'm not um, glossing it over and saying any of it is, is and everything is okay. I'm not saying that, But what I'm saying is there's a way to teach and to be aware of your situation and surroundings without taking away um, a child's innocence. And um, I think I've been able to do that effectively. And I also think that I've given parents and teachers the tools to be able to do that as well. And so I think that's the good thing that's come out of this in the last three years Um, I mean, we've got right now where, you know, there's not too much stuff can happen uh, in schools and even in my work as the Diversity, Equity and Inclusion um, Director at Costa Tech. So now with this political climate, a lot of lines have been drawn for us. Um, And I think we found a healthy way to navigate through that. Um, Just as you know, being a parent and uh, still being able to teach and still giving them hope um and a positive outlook of, you know, yes, this has happened, and you need to know this because this really is our history, but you can grow from it and you can learn from it. Um And that's, you know, we, and sometimes I do a lot of t- um teaching without teaching. You know, because I think that what we do as parents, um, as teachers, we're all teachers, um, is give them the tools that they can use without preaching to them. And that's by showing them in our everyday life. You know, so for my friends that I have, it's a diverse group of people, you know, and And we show love to each other. And by doing that, you see your kids learning through that. And so that's the way to teach without preach.
0: So on the flip side of the positives, you mentioned the current political climate. What are you... (laughs) 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 What... What are you most concerned about right now regarding racial inequities in our state and where we go from here?
1: Um, excuse me. I'm concerned with, and I'm not going to get real political, but everybody sees it, you know, as far as how our political leaders act. And I am talking about statewide. And, and I think that people need to know that um, that's one of the most important ele- elections that you can vote in on. Everybody is so hyped up about the president. In reality, it's not the president that that makes a difference in your everyday life It's your state leaders um which all trickles down, you know who do your who does your your kids see the most every day? That's your teachers right? They, see, they spend more time, if we're being honest, they spend more time with teachers than they do with us, you know, because by the time they get home, you know, you have an activity after school. If they do extracurricular, you're cooking, you're bathing, and then you're in bed, and then you're doing it all over again. So, they spend the majority time of their time with teachers and when teachers are called or teachers' unions and all that are called terrorists and, and things like that, it's kind of a big division. So that is that that's my biggest concern is, is that the political climate will get in the way of learning. You know, the political climate will stop learning and. Um, For instance, when they say about history, we can't make anybody feel bad about themselves. Um, Well, I mean, it goes both ways with that. You know, and when we talk about history not feeling bad, history is not supposed to make you feel good. You know, it's history. We can't change it to make you feel a certain kind of way. It's history. And the part about history is learning that history so you can grow from that history, so you don't repeat the history. Um, so my biggest concern is, is when you bring politics into education and you make everything so political, then we're, we're going to stop our, our teachers from teaching and we're going to prevent our students from learning. And I think that that was the biggest thing is when I was, what, I just heard about uh, the race, the, uh, race massacre, what, probably about six or seven years ago? You know, and that was part of it, is that's the history that we need to know, that we need to know about, we need to learn, and we need to grow about it, and for it to be so political, and now we're talking about feelings and nobody getting hurt, and, you know, you have a whole huge marginalized people that are hurt and they're still hurting um and you need to know your information and we need to heal and that's just a part of it learning all of our information learning our history learning where we need to go to prevent this you know as far as education and things like that so we could heal together as a community we can't heal if we keep ripping this band-aid off over and over and over and over again You know, I think Taylor Swift said something like um, Band-Aid, a Band-Aid can't uh, fix bullet holes or something like that. And it's the same thing is we're trying to appease it, but we're not trying to heal from it and fix it. And I think that is the thing is we need to get away from politics and the red side or the blue side or whatever side, the middle side, but we need to combine the sides because we would all be better together. You know, I feel like I work with a lot of people who have different uh political views as I did. And um I have even been labeled and sometimes I didn't even know what the I didn't when I was first labeled this about seven or eight years, I said, Oh, you're just a liberal. And I didn't even know what that meant. I had to go look it up. <laughs> You know, but what I what I learned is, is that we all in the morning, we all get together and we all talk and we like, especially on Mondays, we come in and we talk about our weekend and this and us. And what, what I realized is, is that no matter which side of the aisle that you're from with the people that I work with and I talk with, we all have so many things in common. And a lot of times we're saying the same exact thing. We're just letting politics and things get in the way, and it's unfortunate for our children because we're preventing them from learning a part that they should know. I mean, you know, I was in the different when I met some people from, you know, California, and they said, "Oh, we 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 already knew about this," you know. So different states can learn about our history, but not us. So that's for me. That's a problem, and I I do like that we are aware of it. If we you know we pay attention and we're watching the news, and and you got to be careful which news you do watch. But you 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 are well rounded and you're aware of what's going on. That as parents we step in and and we continue to fill in the gap and teach because that's our job in the first place as parents.
0: Absolutely. I want to revisit one of the topics you have provided a lot of insight on before, because I think it's especially timely as our kids are preparing to go back to school, and especially as you're saying how important our job as parents is to teach our kids. What anti-racist values and actions can families be incorporating into our homes, especially as kids are going back to school? to teach kids early how to recognize and how to stand against racism?
1: That is a good question. Um, I would say before, like I said, we model the behavior that we um, we want our children to see. Now, sometimes we can um, not be such a good person when we model in behavior because sometimes things, you know, it happens and so what I say with that, what I say as far as sometimes things happen, here's an example. You can be at the 4th of July, Fourth of July comes up and you have all your family over there. You have different, um, you know, you, you might have a diverse group, but then you still might have a different mindset as well. And so if you're if grandma is over from a different generation over there and, and she might say a racist or sexist comment, um, uh, typically people will say, you know, will not say anything because that's, that's grandma. Um, and kids can hear that, but they won't say anything. Well, that's just as damaging, right? So I believe this wholeheartedly is that you correct them right where they're at. Now you don't have to be rude or anything like that about it, but you could say that's racist, and we don't practice that in our house. And I'd appreciate it if you don't say that around my child, right? So that's the best way that I've done it. Rather, it's you know, even with you know, with my with my family, I'd have always hang around a diverse group of people within my family. It's diverse in itself. And um, I might get a comment of, you know, them saying something where they think that they're playing, uh, for instance, like a sissy word or something like that. You know, they think that they're playing. They think that they're, you know, having a joke or blah, blah, blah. No, we don't say that around here. You know, that's not what we're going to do. And I, I automatically correct that. And so I correct so much in front of my kids that my kids correct, you know, no, we're a family that doesn't do that. We're a family. Oh, we can't listen to that, you know, or I think I'm going to go talk to my mom about it. So that's so much ingrained in my kids. And it's to the point now when the people are around me, they already know. So it's about creating those habits and saying those taglines that your kids will always remember You know, we don't say that because now my kids are 26, you know, and if we go out and it's the whole birthday and then then they have their friends around and their friends might slip up and say something and it's all out of being, trying to be funny or whatever the case may be. But to me, I think it's at other people's expenses sometimes, but my kids will correct their friends and say, oh, we don't say that. Right, mom? Right, mom? Yes, you're right. (laughs) I'm laughing old, because you know. my kids
0: correct me now. I'm the yes. one that gets corrected. And I'm yeah. like, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. That I
1: Right. Right. Which, and, and they do, you know, for instance, I think I said midget one time and and, and my sister, you mean little person? I said, oh yes, little, you know, and and I love that about us is that we can create we we create an environment where we're learning from each other. We're correcting each other, and then we're sometimes we're like, well, I don't know if that's the right term to say, right? And it's all like, well, I'll Google it. Who's going to Google it faster? You know. And so I think that that in itself creates an environment where you're constantly teaching your children, you're constantly showing your children. But it only works if you're around, you know, different. People and so I think that we have to be aware of the company that we keep. Now I'm not saying you got to go out and find you a new black gay friend today, you know, because I think that all of that should be organic. It should it should happen and it's all in the circles that you create yourself, create for yourself. So sometimes you have to broaden your your circle and go to different activities or different events, you know, that puts you in that circle. And just putting yourself out there like that, it teaches your kids. And so, like I said, it doesn't have to be you teaching or preaching or anything like that. It's just a matter of you showing them that you're trying.
0: And one of the things I feel like you have taught me and inspired in me is that it's okay for me to continue to learn. I don't have to have all the answers, but mm-hmm. I do have to create I have to kind of come at things with an attitude of curiosity, knowing Mm -hmm. that I don't have all the answers and I'm not always going to get it right, but just that willingness to learn and to be wrong and to correct myself when I'm wrong. Um, Again, that does create an atmosphere where my kids are often correcting me and I have to be okay with that. Um, But we can learn together.
1: Yeah, I think that's good. And I think that's the aspect that I go for is that um, I want to learn from you. And it's so much that Keith Ross, my 12 year old, he always, well, actually, they are all three of them, 26 and 21 and 12. They always want to catch me being wrong. (laughs) Um, It's a thing that they do. But, you know, I have to tell them that you know, you. It's fine if I'm wrong, and I'm sorry that I can't be more wrong for you, because uh, a lot of the things that I talk about is because I know about it, and if I don't talk, if I don't talk about it, it's because I don't know. You know, <laughs> so they're always trying to get their little Google friends and, and try to test me to see, you know, if I'm wrong about something, and and I, and I like that because I think that we need to create an atmosphere of of us not always being right and us willing to learn from our kids and for them to research what you're saying. And that's what I love about it is because now the kids are not taking what you say for granted, right? They're going to research it. They're going to learn more about it. And I encourage that. I'm always like, well, you don't have to believe me. I tell them I'm such, I'm something like Google, but. <laughs> Don't have to believe me. Go ahead and search it and do your own research. And I said, and that's what what anybody what anybody tells you. You have to use these tools. You wanted this iPhone over and over and over and over and over again. This is what you beg for. So now do you know that you have a full library in your hands? You have all the tools right there. We had to go to the library and flip through cards to find one book, right? You have all the information there. And when you use it for good, what happens? And so that's what I go over and over again. Find it, correct me if I'm wrong, let me know. And it helps me be a better person. It helps me be a better mom. And it helps you learn how to research and not take every word, everybody's word for granted.
0: So how do we take this attitude of these anti-racist values we're teaching at home this attitude of curiosity learning more about cultural diversity how do we effectively in our current climate take this into our schools and have conversations with teachers um, or principals about including cultural diversity in our kids curriculum and why that's so
1: beneficial um that's a good question uh because with our climate we're told no 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 and you can't you can't you can't and don't and then people are really scared for their their job i mean it's that serious it's that serious um but what i learned and what i do here is the culture and all that kind of stuff is is not a problem That's not the problem. Learning about other cultures and all that kind of stuff. I think it I think what it is, is if we go down to the real issue of things. Right. Why are we having an issue? Okay, so a lot of times we're having an issue because of communication. Right. So then why did the lines of communication fall down? Because You don't understand something. Maybe you don't understand a culture. Right. And so sometimes it's all in how we word things. I think our new um our new state superintendent, they're taking if you have any funds in your line uh, I just line I line budget item uh that's marked diversity, equity, and inclusion, they're trying to take it away. You know, so basically you your hand at the school system. Your, your hands will be tied. Um, but a lot of the issues that we have though, if we just get down to what are we really, what do we really want? Well, we want everybody to feel included. Right? That's what we want. We want everybody to feel included where they can bring their full self to school, where they can learn. Right? You can't learn if you don't feel included and you don't have respect for the other people that's around you. Right, and you can't teach effectively if you don't understand your students. That's the bottom line. So, we still need to take that attitude of what can I learn to effectively teach? What can I learn to effectively learn? You know, and when we put those together, the bottom line is you're going to learn about culture, right? Because some cultures don't believe in looking at you when you're talking. And some people could think that that's rude. Well, when you get to learn and you build these relationships with people, you understand. You know, if you're a teacher and you're getting upset over and over again because a kid's head down on the desk and they're not participating, well, you get to learn, learn your students. You learn that student. You know, he might have been going through Ramadan for, I don't know if that's what you call it, but it's a whole week of fasting in some cultures. You know, and that's about getting to the bottom of the issue. It's about learning people's culture. And when I say culture, it doesn't necessarily have to do with race or what you're seeing on the outside. You have different levels of your culture and different mindset. Which is stuff that you can't see. You know, whether they have a single parent home home, um, uh, you know, whether they're living with generations of people. Um, just, you know, different things on what comes first and why it comes first. Some people's culture schools come very last and that's uh, you know, for, for growth. You know, and that's just about learning people's culture, but it's also when you do that, you're building that relationship with your students. And I think that that's what matters is you build relationships. Once you build those relationships, you learn culture. And that's not in a textbook. If it's, 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 you don't get that from going to six different colleges, switching different degrees, like somebody I know. Um, You don't get that. You get that from learning people. You learn the people that you serve. And if you're genuinely a teacher who wants to to love on those babies and to share the curriculum with them, you have to know their culture. And you have to figure out a way to include them and make sure that they always feel included. I talked to my son, he had an incident, and he was upset with the teacher. And so he said, well, I just won't do my work because I don't like her. And I just had to tell him, that's crazy, Tim. You can't just not do your work because you don't like the teacher. You know? And so that's another thing that the parents have to explain to the kids. You're not hurting her. The teacher has all of her degrees, and she's done with middle school. She's done with elementary. She's done with all this stuff. So it's got to be up to you to learn more about your teacher as well. You know, and so I said, you still, you you got to be held accountable as well. You're still in this class and you're going to finish this class. Whether you like the way she does things or not, it's still your responsibility to finish the work. You know, and so it's just about so I said that to say is that a lot of kids with this generation is if they don't have that special bond or feel like the teacher at least likes them and includes them, they shut down. They shut down. And it then it looks like they're just not doing their work, which which most of the times they're not. But it's about, you know, the culture barriers the inclusive part of it it's about not having that relationship with that with that student and that's why a lot of times when you get to middle school or high school teachers can just call a coach and be like hey coach they're not doing this thing today and the coach gets them in line why because i'm sorry if i don't move um the light comes out here (laughs) Um, but the, the coach gets them back in line, and that's because the coach understands the type of family they come from. The coach has a relationship with the kids and the parents. Um, so it's all about that relationship that you build. And yes, we could say it's, you know, DEI work, DEI work, but it really is not just DEI work. It's more of inclusion and building that relationship that you have to have with your students.
0: That's so helpful to hear it framed like that. I think it helps people who might be feeling overwhelmed about how to make that work in their kids' classrooms this year feel like it's a little bit more
1: attainable. And I could say this too, is that We have plenty of opportunity to do DEI work because the curriculum allows it, right? It's just that when you separate it and say that this is DEI work, then that's a thing, right? So if we're talking to math, if we're in math, right, we've got a lot of African-American, Native, uh, LGBTQ plus people in the community that are amazing mathematicians. You know what I mean? They're, they're amazing at what they do when it comes to math, you know, science, you know, um, astronauts. I mean, all these different things. We have them all, all throughout our very own curriculum. So that's what I say. You pull all that in. Every subject you could teach. You have different people from different cultures that did amazing in that subject. And just by adding that in your curriculum is showing the students how inclusive you are, which is allowing them to be more open with you and more receptive to your learning, because the, I mean, to your teaching, because it's not just one-sided, it's not just one way, you're you're opening up a broad thing, which is already in the curriculum, it's already there, it's just a matter of you going and finding different people that represent that within the curriculum.
0: That's such a great idea. Let's talk about some of your projects. Since we first met, you have written so many books, many of which are in my library, in my household, that help teach kids and parents too about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So has there been one book in particular along the way that has made the biggest impact on you personally in the research or writing process?
1: Yes, ma'am. I would say my last book um, that I just, what was that last year? It's called um, Who Said You Could Touch My Hair? Um, I loved writing that book because at the age that I am now, at work um, with credentials in front of my name, um, I still get people reaching out to touch my hair. And it drives me absolutely batty because I'm just like, why can't you just keep your hands to yourself? And why do I have to look like the bad guy for telling you not to touch my hair? You know? So as researching that, I did a, uh, we did a documentary which it it didn't, it's not out. We still have footage and we're still going to try to make it work but it's just crazy trying to do all that stuff, but we had a full uh, question and answer session, which we video recorded, right? And um, we had it uh, on Greenwood in the event center. Um, I had brunch catered and all that. And so we just had a big thing. So I wasn't expecting, I was expecting maybe 25 people, maybe. Well, it turned out to be over 100. And I was shocked. I was like, "Wow, they showed up. um but the whole thing was to have an authentic conversation. So we had this authentic conversation. It was um two of my two of my black friends and three of my white friends, so that made it a total of six. And one of the ladies that was there, which is um one of my very best friends, who's white, um I met her. At Career Tech when I first started working here, right, and uh, so it's been over 14 years ago. Um, but I picked her to come on the panel because you know she's very outspoken, um, like me, and she's very honest in whatever she says and whatever she does. Um, and when I first, when we went to a leadership conference, she was the one who reached out and touched my hand. And, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I'm from Costco, America, so I'm a country girl. And I almost forgot where I was at. I reached out on my flatness when we were. And I was like, and I remember, you know, I remember, Mika, you're at work, you can't act like that. So my other hand went up, and I grabbed her hand, and I said, Laura, you never touch a black lady's hair. But why, Mika? Your hair is just so pretty, and my hair is just fly I just want to touch it. And I said, look. I said, now, I can't speak for everybody, but I'm going to speak for most of us. And I said, and I'm going to tell you this, but just know it's not my responsibility to tell you to respect these people's faith Right? And so I pulled her to the side, and we had a conversation about it. And I poured out my heart on why this, you just can't do this. And she looked at me, and she said, well, I still want to touch you. My eyes was about bigger saucers. I said, "What do you mean? You still want to touch?" Her? I said, she was like, "Yeah, I still want to touch." Her. I said, "Girl, I said I'm gonna write a book about it, about you, and I'm going to dedicate." It. She said, "Oh, oh, that's good. Write it, dedicate it to me, and then put my picture on." I said, "Say that. <laughs> and that's what I did. Right. So I wrote the book and my my editor who edited, said, "That's a long dedication because it's a whole page of dedication. I went. And so about two weeks after that, I asked her because I didn't hear from her. Now remember I told you she got book. I didn't hear from her, and I said, well, I said did you did you read the dedication?" She said, Oh, no, I didn't know the book about." It. So she says, let me go let me go back and read it." And so an hour later, she sent me a message. And she said, Mika. I am so sorry. She said, I didn't know that you've been hurt before. And I didn't know that that continues to, to hurt you. She said, I came from a town of whitey white people, her word, with 500 people. That's it. She said, it had no diversity, no anything. She said, I didn't learn about any diversity or see any diversity until I went to college. And she said, I was still in shock. And she says, and I just want to thank you and people like you for being in my life, uh, for giving me the opportunity, opportunity to continue to learn and to grow. And when I read that, I was in tears. I was in tears because For a while, I was going through the perspective of people should know to respect your space, not to get any space, blah, blah, blah. You know, this is common knowledge people should know. And what I realized is that everybody is not raised the same way. And they're not raised around the same circumstances. Um, And some people genuinely do not know. Uh, and I think that it's my responsibility to give people grace. And so with that being said, I you know, I said, you know, people don't know. But then I also like when I was going through it, I was like thinking like Charles Barkley back in the day. And I'm I don't know if you remember this, but I'm gonna date myself. He says, I'm not a role model to your kids. Right? don't say I'm a role model. But in instance, you know, you, you might not want to be a role model, but you are by de facto. You're, you're in the media. We see you. You play basketball. They look up to you. Right. And so just like I said before is I can't teach everybody about this. It's not my responsibility to teach you to respect other faith. And in essence, it is. And so with that, after she said that, and I realized, you know, Tamika, That was your perspective. Your perspective was one site. So then we need to have this. uh, We need to have a discussion about it. And what good is having a discussion about this with just black women? Right? We already know how we feel. We already know that we don't want our space violated. We already know that we don't want nobody's dirty hands all in our hair. You know, we already know that right but have we had this conversation for others to hear and for others to ask questions about because this is your time to ask questions not while we're at a board meeting you know in front of everybody those that's not your time to question me on my hair so with that being said we were able to have that gathering at Greenwood and we had uh we had an open discussion with my white friends and my black friends. And we both, we all talked about it. So it was a six-person panel, which also allowed all of the audience, which was about 100 people, to ask questions as well, to learn from that. And for me, doing the research on that book allowed me to learn about the Crown Act and ask about it being passed here which I realized in Oklahoma is not past. So it allowed me to advocate for that. And it also allowed me to make a documentary, which is award winning documentary now. Um, uh, and it's on Amazon Prime and 2 And then I just looked at the film hub places and it's on like eight other streaming networks that I've never even heard of in my life. Um, but just writing that book and doing the research on that book made it blossom into a thing that I really can be proud of. And the whole purpose of it is to enact healing. You know, and I mean, if we're being honest with each other, we're hurt. That's that's the whole thing is is we're hurt. And we need to come to a place where we can heal. And we want to be able to heal with our friends and, and our allies. And for our allies to say, I see you. I never will know how it feels to be you, but I see you and let me try to help you, you know, and that's what that whole thing is about, is let's get to a place where we can heal and we can love on each other and from that book, Who Said You Can Touch My Hair, that just inspired a whole movement of community healing and um, that's That's where I want to get to. And that's with all of my writings that I do, I want to get to a place of we're not pointing fingers. We're just saying simply, we're hurt. Can we heal together? Because the fact is if if a small portion of the community is hurt, it trickles down to the whole entire community. And that's what we need to realize is that It's not just the marginalized people that are being hurt. It's going to spread. And we don't want to get to a place where we don't like anybody just because of what we hear others say or just what the media says or even sometimes what our parents say. And that's why I encourage my kids to always research it and then let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation about it. You know, and I always say, you don't have to have my perspective, but this is my perspective. And this is why I had that perspective. And, you know, Keith Rossi always coming on, you know, I do know who said you could touch my hair. You know, mom, it's boys. It's boys in there, too. You know, I get that at school, too. I said, and I know, and that's what needs to be talked about, too. So it opened up a whole thing of a, a conversation that we could have and we could have it at a place where we can feel comfortable in talking about it without being judged. And, and in actuality, sometimes people do want to learn more, um, but they're scared to ask because then they're scared that they might look biased or racist or or anything like that. So then they won't ask and then they won't know. And we want to have it where we have a community that's willing to ask for understanding, understanding purposes. Uh, where they could be better allies and so that's the environment that I always want to be in I always want to create and that is a long answer on the book that you asked me about (laughs) that made a difference that um, that book for me uh, was it that encouraged me to do more um, and see more and build more authentic relationships. And I appreciate having that opportunity to do that. And I love that long. Answer.
0: It was a good one. Um, and I <laughs> love that you, uh, how that inspired your work on the documentary crown, which is incredible. Um, and how that has inspired a lot of advocacy work for you as well. I think one of the things that is most um, inspiring for me about all of your work is that you're able to wrap up together affirmation and healing alongside learning opportunities, um, which I just think is it's incredibly powerful that that you're able to do and that you're willing to do both of those things together.
1: Thank you. And I would also say that it's a lot of uh, self-reflecting and noticing when you're wrong. You know, um, I think that that's a very important in just being a person is that, you know, we're not always right. Uh, we would always like to be right, but sometimes we're not. And when we're not, we could change courses and say, Hey, we're wrong. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I'm sorry. You know, um, I, one of my best examples is, is, you know, I tell the teachers, you know, no matter what, if, if they want to be called they, call them they. If he wants to be called, um, Tatiana, call him Tatiana, you know, so respect that. And um, they would, they would come back with a little resistance um, saying, you know, they is not correct English. And, you know, I would come back with I seen your lesson plans, and that's not correct English either. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> You know, and so it's just a little bit, and, and, and then a lot of it was, some of it was fear is like, well, what if I mess up? What if I mess up and call them the wrong, wrong name? And I said, I've messed up before too. And what I said is, I, I apologize. I'm new to this, but I'm willing to make it right. Whenever I'm wrong, please correct me. Right? And I told, I said, you know, and when I talked to the teachers, I said, you know what, they came right to my classroom, I mean, came right to my office and sat in my chair and said, Dr. Rogers, thank you so much. I feel this school, I feel so welcome here. He said, I know you're not going to get it right every time. And we... Don't expect you to get it right every time. We just expect for you to care. And that was it. It's just it's just that simple. Just show that you care. And I mean, I don't see what the I don't see what the huge deal was in the first place because, you know, we call people by their nicknames all the time and we don't question it. You know? Uh so you know, and then even the teacher um, that that had did this is she wanted her students to call her by her last name and not put that handle on it. When we said it's very important that they call you Mrs. out of respect so you can know, you know, the levels of it. But she still wanted to be called that name. And guess what? The students called her what she wanted to be called. And I use that as an example as well. It's just that simple. It's just that respect that you have that you show them that you care. That's all they want. They don't want you, they don't need you to move mountains or anything like that. It's to simply show them that you care. And, I mean, just imagine. And, And in actuality, as a teacher, you do care. You do care. And so that's where we need to be in that in that state of mind so we are going to make mistakes we will as long as we're leaving as long as we're breathing, we're going to make mistakes but it's about being held accountable and holding yourself accountable and saying you know what I made a mistake when I said that or when i done that and I did not mean that um, if you see me doing that again you know because sometimes habits are hard to break Just please correct me and I'll continue to work on that. And that's what you have to be open to. And so I I know I'm not going to get it right every time, but I strive to get it right. I strive to make corrections and I hope that that spills out, you know, in my parenting, in my work, in my writing, um, everything that I do. I hope that spills out that, you know, I'm not perfect. Um, but I'm willing to make any amends or any changes that needs to be made um, to make everybody feel included.
0: Thank you so much. That is, it's just such a um, great perspective for us to have as parents, as we go into this new school year, it's a great perspective for us to teach our kids that none of us have to be perfect, but if we just focus on being curious and having empathy. And I appreciate so much all of the opportunities that you have given us over the years to learn from you and to learn alongside you. Thank you for everything that you've taught me and will continue to teach me and all of our listeners. And thanks so much for spending time with us today.
1: Thank you, Erin. And you are my big, I am, I am your biggest fan. So (laughs) I just <laughs> I just um wanna say that again I do appreciate everything that you do, everything you do doing um for the teachers, parents. Your magazine is amazing. Um, I always go and I can't get the physical magazine here. Um, so I always go online and, and that stuff you uh you update that with things to do and OKC for the weekend and and all that kind of stuff. So if it wasn't for your magazine, I would know a lot of things that were happening. So I do look at that and be like, okay, well, when I'm down there, I'm like, well, what does Metro Family say what's going on this weekend? And so I look it up. <laughs> and so sometimes we end up there. Um, So thank you so much um, for everything that you're doing for the kiddos in our community and the teachers, parents, and everyone as well. So I appreciate you. You're a great mom, and I love – watching your adventures for your with your kiddos and your husband. And every time I see it, I I just smile because I'm like, look at her go. So keep going. And I appreciate everything that you do.
0: Well, thank you for submitting that article three years ago, because it has created just so many opportunities for not just me, but for so many parents. Um, And I'm thankful for the friendship that that we've developed out of that. Thanks everyone for listening. Join us next time on Raising OKC Kids.